following podcast is scheduled for one fall. Hailing from the Pro Wrestling Tees headquarters in Chicago, Illinois, they are your hosts of the PWT cast, Scrub and Stank! Bang, bang, what is up, you guys? Welcome to episode 72 of the PWT cast. My name is Scrum. Stank. We're the host of the official uh, podcast of Pro Wrestling Tees, the PWT cast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're uh, at PWTCast. Uh, if this is your first time listening, welcome friends of the show. We welcome all new friends of the show. Uh, go back and listen to some of our older episodes. We've got such episodes with people like uh, Killer Cross, Vicky Guerrero, Ethan Page, Colt Cabana, Kylie Ray, Kevin Smith. Yeah, that Kevin Smith. Uh, a lot of fun episodes. Go ahead and check some of those out for all you new listeners. Uh, but Dave, for for all the people who've, who've been listening for a while now, they had to know how much of a how much we had to talk about this week because Disney <laughs> Disney just dropped a a fuck ton of news on them. I'm I'm bomb not even after going bomb. bomb after yeah. bomb. Uh, so there'll definitely be some of that talk. But before we get into that, uh, I I think you should uh you should let all the listeners know about a, a very fun thing that we're doing here at Pro Wrestling Tees. I know you you talked about wanting to tease a little something that uh they can look forward to. Yeah, so uh, anyone that's been following in the VIP group and also in parallel with the Micro Brawler group, um, there's been a bit of unrest concerning uh, some of our Micro Brawlers. And it's not the quality, and it's not the desirability or the resale value. It's that like the last few releases we've had have been limited. And so you know, there's been some kind of armchair businessmen telling us what we should and shouldn't do um to be fair a lot of these limited releases were not in our hands they were the, they were the decisions of the people that we were portraying as the micro brawlers so like you know the kurt angle was 150 kurt angle wanted 150 so what are we gonna do right mm-hmm. so um <laughs> Ryan's been having a really good time this whole weekend just trolling everybody, just pretending he's going to drop the Iron Sheik brawler, you know, in the middle of the night. And just, you know, it's kind of become like a, a parody of itself. But um, I do have something good to announce for you guys that are listening to the podcast early on Monday. Um, we will be releasing an announcement for an upcoming brawler. Um, We'll be releasing it. You know, I'm not going to say too much. Wait till you see the announcement. It will explain everything. This is our way to try and kind of uh, appease some of the people that were disgruntled about not getting the limited run. Um, and we're trying something a little new, something a little old. But I will tell you, this microbrawler that we're doing is probably my favorite one that I've done. Um, and it's, it's one that was kind of a long time coming. We've, we've been going back and forth and, uh, it's going to be sweet. So, um, that will be releasing, um, for sale sometime soon. You'll get the announcement Monday between the morning and noon central standard time. Um, but yeah, so if you're a fan of micro brawlers, this is going to be a good one. It's gonna be a hot one. And if you don't get this one in time, there's nothing we can do about it. So, um, 
Yeah, so, so if you're changing your cat's litter, please make sure that you hurry up and uh, get it over and done with so you can you can purchase that one. But uh, it's exciting. I've I've gotten a sneak yeah. peek of this micro brawler and boy, boy, is it a beaut. Uh, and so, yeah, listen, if you are, you know, if you if you haven't been following the whole micro brawler thing over in the VIP group or the micro brawler group, um, these things are hard to get. And yeah, like you yeah. said, some sometimes the limited availability is out of our hands. Uh, yeah, and, and, and it's a collector's market. Like uh, just recently, we had Matt Cardona talk about he went on eBay and spent an inordinate amount of money on some brawlers um, that Ryan may have had a couple extra of that he would have given him. But Matt Cardona said it's the thrill of the chase. I love, you know what I mean. There's, how many times have you and I bought both gone to different stores looking for like the AEW figures or for me, like NECA releases for target or Walmart for Ninja turtles. And like the chase is part of the fun of it. So, Oh, trust me when, when I was deep before M three toys came along, I was deep, deep into uh, like going to different targets. It would be, it would be a thing where it was like a giant group chat between Michael, Frank, Paul, and myself just, Hey, this target has this many of this pop in stock. Go, 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 go. And there is, there is the thrill of it. And I get it. Like some people just, they don't care for that. And like not everyone can do it too. It, and we understand that. Exactly. But, but, uh, I don't know, baby, don't complain to us online because we don't care. You know, like it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, we, you know, we appreciate, uh, you wanting to like purchase our stuff, but also at the same time, like, um, trying to guilt us into like well not only that like, people people think we're doing this to be to actively hard yeah yeah no i mean if we could sell infinity micro brawlers and sell all of them and give the wrestler that is the micro brawler infinity money and every we would do it believe me but there's there's a couple links in the chain that require us to do certain things and you complaining about it one goes against maybe the wrestlers wishes for how many they wanted or goes against how many we could supply in a certain amount of time. It's just, if you see a release that's limited, understand that every decision that led to that was in the best interest of both the wrestler pro wrestling tees and you as the consumer. And sometimes you just can't have one of everything. I mean, that's just the facts of life, you know, it sucks, but you know, no. the thrill of the- You know what doesn't suck, though, is, uh, as we mentioned, uh, Marvel and Disney, Christmas came early. Uh, yes. I, w- I was doing uh, crates, uh, the pro wrestling crates that we do here, pro wrestling tees. And so I did it. I, I, my phone just wasn't readily available to me because I'm the one who opens up and throws in the autographs. And so I'm, I, I just don't have time to be on my phone. Uh, but immediately my phone just starts blowing up people know how much i love me uh so some marvel you know stuff so they're just just sending it over to me and boy like what what are you most excited for because they announced so much like i can i'll go ahead and um what do you call it it just rattle off some of them you know as far as like star wars properties um we got the uh hold on hold on i have it here there's uh, Andor, which is uh, it's a 
Rogue One prequel, basically, the character that yeah. Diego Luna played, Cassie and Andor. Um, it should be fun. Oh, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, which that's the one I'm the most excited for because one, yeah. McGregor, and then Hayden Christensen's coming back. Uh, I I love episodes one through three, and I don't care if anyone feels some type of way about that because that is how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, but there's uh, Rangers of the New Republic, Ahsoka, um, a Lando spinoff, which yeah, I I don't know. I part of me hopes that it's Donald Glover coming back. Um, but they did that end thing where it kind of seemed like uh, Billy D. Williams was like, "Well, let's have some adventures at the end." I was yeah. like, "Oh man!" Like I don't, I don't know how much so we can get gross. out of Billy D. But I mean, that would be yeah. you know hey, that would be cool. Um, and you know, it's like some other ones as well that are just. Uh, so many to pick but marvel marvel yeah. was the one that just phew, they did not let you breathe you, they went you went one year without any marvel oh, any new marvel stuff and they yeah. said don't worry little david stinking we gotcha uh <laughs> so you know they announced miss marvel um mm-hmm. secret invasion which is like a samuel jackson ben mendelson who played one of the the scrolls in uh captain marvel which that should be fun uh this one, I'm not. I'm gonna be as trans- transparent as possible. I, I hate that they're doing this. Uh, Ironheart, which is the you uh, know Iron yeah. Man. Sp- I just lead to me Iron Man, like Wolverine. Leave him alone. Don't yeah. Just hey, whatever you know. Kevin Feige. I'm also the one who famously went on a rant about how Guardians of the Galaxy was stupid and they shouldn't be working on a property nobody knows and. You know, uh, but there's a armor war show that is uh, basically a war machine show. Uh, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy holiday special that's going to be coming next Christmas, which should be fun. Um, yeah. What do you call it? We have Fantastic Four, which, oh, God, I'm so excited for that. And it's uh, John Watts, who also, you know, directed the Spider-Man movies. And they've been really good. Like, I've enjoyed those Spider-Man movies so much and don't worry we'll get into spider-man for those of you guys wondering um but you know shang chi's coming eternals is coming uh black widow is coming as well there's vision january 15th yeah wandavision january 15th they gave a preview for the loki tv show um there's just there's so much and i think like the one thing that i got out of it the most was just the fact that like there is going to be something for everybody you know yeah. like they ant-man 2 which is it, christian bale and thor and in the next thor there's a Groot show i am groot you know and then of course they're already filming the hawkeye show and then you know they also confirmed uh captain marvel 2 moon knight she hulk uh they gave i don't did you see the preview for uh, falcon and winter soldier yeah that looks pretty I fun i don't know i wasn't the biggest fan of it really I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, for for me personally, so like Star Wars side, I'm raring to go for uh, uh, Kenobi. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be great. And yeah, like like you said, a lot of people eye roll whenever the prequels are talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, you may not be the biggest fan of trade federation politics, and I get that. And in a vacuum, if you looked at some of Hayden Christensen's dialogue and the delivery of the dialogue, it's a little hokey, to be honest. But a lot of it was 
like genre defining like uh duel we, we got duel of the fates out of the prequels you know what i mean we got uh some of the best lightsaber battles of all time and, and some some real heavy lore was laid down in those prequels um i also think hayden christensen's probably a way better actor now especially after how what was it 20 years 20 years of reflection on something that people panned him for uh i think if Mandalorian's anything to go by, this is going to be a, a great show. Um, I'm excited about Ahsoka. Um, did they they announced the Boba Fett show, right? Mm, I don't believe they did. No, they were. But I they, know they were talking about it. They, I didn't. I, mean, I didn't remember if they announced it in that sizzle reel. I they haven't, but like as I mean, from from what I've read, like that that is the next thing that they're starting to film. Um, yeah, they, they are also. Uh, Mandalorian three is coming out next Christmas season as well. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. No, I mean it's listen. The the proof is in the pudding. You know, Disney not that good at making Star Wars movies. Fantastic yeah. at making Star Wars TV shows. And if I, I don't, I don't even think they know where they're going to go as far as where the Star Wars movies go next. Um, so it is a little, you know, it it's good that they're focusing on the television side because they could always just spin it off into that you know into yes. like okay well now we know where to go next from yeah from these movies yeah. here's the other thing too like you know i've been a faithful disney plus subscriber for a while and i'll be honest um i've been one to grumble about like the dearth of really great titles like it, it always seemed like other than the mandalorian all the good stuff was just on the horizon and we could never quite get to it and then COVID complicated everything, right? Mm -hmm. But now, you know, we're about to get WandaVision, which from all accounts, and we've heard from some sources saying that WandaVision is going to be a real big key to the next phase of uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, you know, we got a real sense that, like, what what is born in this show will just have ripples and, and repercussions throughout everything. So I'm really excited about that. Um yeah, Miss Marvel. I mean, you know, we've talked at length, you know, on this podcast about representation matters and something like Miss Marvel. Um, you know, how often do you get a teenage Pakistani superhero? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, I, and, I, and that character had, that grumbling that, about it, but it's a good thing, guys. Yeah, and that character has gained popularity with uh, the yeah. latest Avengers game that came out. Um, yeah, like again like disney especially marvel side like they're not afraid to just go yeah go for broke because they can't really like like think about it like my my least favorite of the marvel stuff that's come out recently the movies as far was like captain marvel i saw it the one time yeah. i you know i i love it because they established kevin smith as existing in the MC, in the mcu yeah. which yeah. by proxy makes us canon in the MCU because I've got him tattooed yep. on me. Um, That's technically true. Te technically, technically, we were part of the MCU. Uh, but and even then, like it wasn't my favorite, but it was fine. I just didn't particularly enjoy it. And guess what? It still made a billion dollars. Like it still made all the money in the world. So. Yeah, there. And that's the thing. I like. I, I watched the video essay where someone talked about this, and it's like 
for how long was comic books and then the media that comes off of that in general, how long was, was that aimed directly and specifically to young white males? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We've, we've had almost the entirety of comic book history to ourselves. So don't complain about, you know, Gotham high comic books or miss Marvel. Like they're making stuff for other people to enjoy too. They, they can exist side by side. Yeah. And like, we should never, and if you don't like it, don't watch it. Exactly. Like, like I, you know, I almost feel kind of like a hypocrite, but like my problems with, again, like Ironheart, I mentioned, like I, that, that's kind of just where I put my foot down, but it's more so, and it's not even because of like a woman, like I don't care. I love like, you're sentimental, but I'm sentimental towards the character of Iron Man. And it's just, I don't, you know, I, I don't want anyone to touch that. I don't want that. And I get, listen, I get it. I am also not the target audience for that. And it Listen, is edited. I, I've been the same way and full disclosure, I have not watched the full episode of Batman Beyond simply because I was very against a Batman other than Bruce Wayne. And that, and, and that's however biases. But I don't want Batman Beyond not to exist. There's there's the difference. So Exactly. Yeah. Like I the world has to move on, you know. Yeah. Like I've been I've been rewatching the leftovers and that is uh, and I'm always praising the show, but one of my favorite things of that show is the is how, like at the end of the day, it's like yes, this is a show in which two uh, percent of the world's population disappears, but the show isn't about like what happened to them. No, never. Like, don't go into the show right. expecting to hear what happened. It's like what happens next. You move on because people have to move on. Whether exactly. you know whether you mourn about it, like go back to. Uh, Avengers Endgame, you know, Endgame, yeah, Captain America, his whole thing, and mind you, he contradicts himself and does none of it, but his whole thing is like, you got to move on because you can't just sit around moping forever. And in the case of the character of Iron Man, it it was always going to at some point be recast or they were going to move on with it, and that's fine. Um, But there are a lot of other properties that I'm really excited about, you know, the aforementioned WandaVision, um, Fantastic Four, but specifically this week i was just the myself and friend of the show brody king boy were we happy uh i'd heard rumblings months ago probably even a year ago um that charlie cox was going to reprise his role as netflix's daredevil for this next spider-man movie which makes sense because uh one they're you know they've they've teamed up numerous times you know they're both new york superheroes but also peter parker is going to need a lawyer he will. He will. He will need a lawyer. One that special special specializes in metahumans. Um, and so they announce officially Charlie Cox is he is in. He is uh Kota Ibushi and Rey Mysterio at the Sears Center. He is yeah. all in. And boy am I just excited. Like again, because I th- I think from what I read, he's more so like of a main character as opposed to kind of just like a like a, a cameo, which um right. like alfred molina jamie fox will be portraying in in their uh roles but it's exciting because like now you can bring in you know the netflix universe they they did such a good job with daredevil such a good job yeah. like if, if anything listen if you need convincing on why you should watch the show go look up the uh hall, the stairway hall fights that they have yeah. in the show so fucking just beautifully done like that is there's so many ways 
in which to like take the take the medium of comic books and you know transfer it into like a more of a visual medium as far as like movies and tv and this was the most comic book thing yeah. you could have done and it is amazing this, from season one there's like the hallway fight go go youtube that look it up on netflix whatever the fucking case is and i promise you that that you will be like you know what let me give this show a shot even if you hate it yeah. even if you watch it and you're like oh i hated it like that scene will still be worth it and so i'm excited to see like what he brings to the table you know as far as like now he's getting now he's getting called up to the main roster basically well and that was always kind of like the gripe that, you know, fans of all those Netflix Marvel shows had, you know, they would do lip service to what happened in like the Avengers movies. Like they would talk about the incident and there'd be references to, you know, the big battle in New York. Um, but you wouldn't get that reciprocation in the movies. Like they would never acknowledge any of the, uh, you know, like Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, uh, Daredevil, Punisher, I mean, I don't mind if they don't mention the Iron Fist because that sucked. But yeah, that wasn't good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really cool, and like I have fresh perspective on it because since the since Daredevil came out and since Punisher and Luke Cage and all that came out, I've been trying desperately to get my wife to watch Punisher, mm-hmm. and so she was she finally broke down like a month ago, and then I snuck it in. I was like, well, if you watch Punisher, spoiler alert, guys there's characters from daredevil that show up and you might be confused. So you really should watch daredevil first. And she's like, fine. And she blew through three seasons in like a week or two. So, um, she was really resistant to it and that's how much she ended up liking it. She just binge watched three seasons with me. So, um, yeah, I'm having a fresh set of eyes on him again. I'm like, man, I cannot wait for this to happen. And, you know, when they canceled all these shows, they said, oh, we're going to have a two year, you know, no compete, basically. And we're right about that at that two years. So it's uh, that will open up a door of possibilities, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm just excited for just the next phase of Marvel just as a whole, because we need it. I, well, on top of that, now <laughs> now Kevin Feige has all the toys to play with. He has yes. all of his toys to play with. And so it'll, it's it's gonna be fun. And again, we've been, you know, we've uh, we've there have been some rumblings of things we've heard, and if they are to be taken true, then, pff, like this is this is nothing. You know, we've just hit the tip of the iceberg. Uh, yeah. But uh, for those of you again, if this is your first time listening, you're like, man, do they wax poetically about Marvel and Star Wars this much every week? Um, typically, yes, yes typically, yes. Uh, but we do talk a little bit of wrestling. And uh, before we get into this week's interview, we should talk about the the big thing that happened. And that was Kenny Omega showing up uh, in Impact. Like, it's like I had mentioned, I, I couldn't recall the last time, as far as the weekend before when there was uh, Mox versus Kenny and Sting's debut. Like, I couldn't recall the last time that many people at the shop. Just again, by process of we're all working, so we don't really have time to watch. TV, but everyone had to pull yeah. up on their phones and like their tablets, and it was the same thing with this week's edition of Impact. Everyone was watching Impact to to wait to see what Kenny Omega had to show up, and it's I love what they're doing with him. You know, the whole I'm gonna go around and collect different belts shtick is fun. Like he just defended uh, the Triple A title in uh, at Triple Mania yesterday, and it 
he's appearing on Impact again. And this is it's awesome. You know, we when we recorded the episode with Nick Aldis, we kind of talked about the benefits of hey, let's all work together. Like, yeah, we, you know, it's at the end of the day, all these smaller companies, um, they're not really going to be able to compete with WWE just because it's a name. It, it is it is the Coca-Cola, the McDonald's of it's too big to fail. It's yeah. too big to fail. You can open up your own burger chain and it can be so successful and all the cool people love it. But at the end of the day, McDonald's is McDonald's and they're going to just get, you know, a majority of the the consumer. The yeah, yeah, just based on the fact that it's a more recognizable name. Not to say that eventually things can't change. Um, but to do that, you first got to work together. And that is, in fact, what they're doing over right now at AEW. And I think it's awesome. You know, like, hell, have, yeah. have Kenny show up in Ring of Honor or in NWA. Like, why not at this point? You know, maybe down the line it leads to his return to New Japan. I don't know what's going on, but I like it. I like just not knowing what's going to happen because we've kind of been spoiled with wrestling where the status quo was the status quo. So there was no, maybe these people, you know, these different companies work together. And now that that's seemingly been thrown out the window, like that the possibilities are endless. Well, and, and that's really the thing too. I mean, if you guys remember, maybe it was like a month back, maybe a few weeks back, Tony Khan tweeted out and said, the balance of power is about to change. And then, you know, it, there was the, the Pac announcement. Everyone was like, that's it. And like, Pac's a great wrestler. <clears throat> but I think now he was kind of showing his hand a little bit. And just, let's be honest, we all love Kenny Omega at the shop. And I'm sure the majority of you guys listening do too. But the, the first year, he, I don't think it's how we kind of pictured he would have been portrayed. And something like him waiting, now he's got the title, and now he's turning into that heel character that we kind of started to love, you know, when he started doing it in New Japan. And the fact that that's happened stings here. So we got a little something new, a little something old. And now, yeah, we're starting to see these strategic partnerships happen. And for the longest time, they just didn't happen just because that we didn't do it that way. And there's no, there's no, reason why it can't be done and it can't be done successfully. Now there's always the argument, you know, you can't have these champions fighting other champions. No one's going to want to lose, but I mean, you have that within single companies already, you know, you always hear about like politicking backstage. This guy doesn't want to lose to this guy, but I really think if, if everyone on board wrestler from the wrestlers, all the way to the agents, all the way to the people running the companies have this sense of, the bigger picture. I mean, you can already kind of feel this momentum swing and, you know, you talk about AEW's ratings and how they're comparing to, you know, comparable WWE offerings and the public is speaking up. They're saying, we like this better. We like the change. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's, there's almost never anything new in wrestling. And now we're starting to see something new and it's kind of exciting. Yeah, I'm very, very excited to see just, again, what's to come because it's yeah. it's a crazy topsy-turvy world right now. COVID kind of turned everything on yeah. its head. And as far as wrestling, maybe for the better. You know, maybe, listen, if you go on ratings, a lot of people are starting to realize, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't turn in for a half-assed episode of 
like a SmackDown or a Raw that was literally just written before yeah. they went on air. And maybe I should tune like in. crazy old man yelling. Yeah. <laughs> on a head. Yeah, maybe I should tune into something that's a little bit more thoughtful and planned out. Not to say AEW is perfect because I, I don't think it's fair to say any wrestling company is yeah. perfect. Uh, but yeah, it's I'm excited to see what's what's to come and hell who knows by this time next week god knows what they will have announced yeah. uh, but let's uh let's go ahead and get into this week's episode it's, it's a little it's been quite a quite a long intro we've done uh on this one and i'll i'll go ahead and put the timestamp for the interview in case you want to just well listen if they listen this far it doesn't really matter uh but this yeah. week we were lucky enough to talk to chris van vliet uh such a wonderful canadian boy like i so handsome exactly He's a dream. Oh. <laughs> dare I say probably the most handsome person we've had on. Like, I think he gives Nick all this a run for his money. Yeah. He has a hunky beefcake. Yeah. But it was, it was such a fun interview. Like, um, oftentimes we'll have these people that we kind of just go in cold with and we haven't spoken with before. And then we become like, there's just like that instant connection. And it's not with everybody, you know, we, we have had some interviews that are fun, but we don't really ever like keep up with. And I definitely, yeah. I, Definitely think Chris Van Lee is someone who's uh, going to be around, you know, some more because again, I had a lot of fun with this interview. I know, you know, you also very much enjoyed it, and he told us himself how much it was, how much fun it was. Um, so let's, uh, without any further ado, and oh hey, let's also we'll we'll give thanks to sponsors at the end. But um, yeah. without any further ado, let's go ahead and get to, into this week's episode with uh, none other than Chris Van Lee. The saying often goes, the devil works hard, but X, you know, works harder. Yeah. It's always, you know, I say it myself all the time. I'm just like, oh, I'm at the shop. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think in the, in this instance with today's guest, boy, does this man definitely work hard because if you go alone on just like the interviews that he amasses via either his YouTube and or podcast, boy, does the list just go on. Yeah. It would be a whole episode if we just sat here listing every single person that he's had on. You know, he it, it includes names like Tom Cruise, Donald Glover, John Cena, Chris Jericho, Orange Cat. The list goes on. The Rock. Yeah. Um, he's a four-time Emmy-winning TV host. And I think my favorite part is he's from Canada because everyone here at the PWT cast knows how much we love we love our Canadian yeah. boys. Um, funny story is the first time I think that we like met him in person at least was the All Out party. Yeah. Yeah, because we were we were all the pro wrestling tees, one hour tees. People all congregated congregated in our area, and he came over, introduced himself to Ryan Cabana as well. I think Colt was there, and as soon as he walked away, everyone who works with us at the shop, we all looked at each other and we were like, "Whoa, who is handsome CMT over there?" And for those of you unaware, CMT is uh, one of our our former coworkers, yeah. and we were like, "That guy looks just like CMT." And then someone was like, "That's Chris Van Vliet," and then. A bunch of us were like, wait, that's Chris Van Vliet? Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Not only is he, like, the interview king, but he's also that good-looking. He's a dreamboat. Right? It's yeah. it's it's almost unfair. Uh, but, you know, if you follow him uh, on social media, you can tell the man puts in work into looking as good as he does. And he puts in work as far as, like, uh, getting these interviews. And they're always fantastic interviews. He actually just had uh, Ryan Barkin, the founder of Pro Wrestling Tees, on and. 
like you mentioned, and he's a hard here. get. We couldn't get him yet. Yeah, we we have to wait till episode one hundred <laughs> yeah. to get him. So, and the only other interview he's done at that point was Jericho's. So yeah. he's in good and, company. And I gotta say, Chris Van Vliet's episode, oh, a lot a lot more uh, talking from Ryan. And so, uh, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we're just gonna go ahead and introduce him instead of just uh, simping, as the kids say, over him over here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, Chris Van Vliet. Chris, how you doing, my man? Guys, thank you so much for having <laughs> me on. Where do we begin with that ridiculous introduction? My goodness. Oh, see, that is my uh, f- my favorite part of these. It's just the ego boost. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it's it's all downhill from here. That's that's the only direction it could go. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for the very kind words. And uh, you know, in this weird world that we're living in right now where we don't really see a lot of people face to face, it was really nice to see you guys last year at the all outside party. Doesn't that feel almost now like it was like oh, ancient? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's funny, like this whole year, almost the entire year has been, you know, us doing this quarantine thing. So when we think back to like things that happened in early March, which in reality was nine months ago, but you know, it it, it feels like it was nine years ago. Yeah. Specifically with us, like there's because a, a group of us we went on the Chris Jericho cruise. And there's still a group chat of all of us, and occasionally we'll, you know, just bring up some sort of inside joke or something, and we will sit there and just, oh, man, how how much fun was that all those years ago? And then we got right. we kind of got to stop. Like Dave and I, we famously tell the story of uh, as we were leaving the airport in Miami uh, to come back on the Jericho cruise. Ryan, he his brother, who's a doctor, he messages him and says, "Hey, there's this coronavirus." And there was a first case in Chicago, and we were all kind of just like, Pfft. we were very cavalier about <laughs> it. We're like, yeah. oh yeah, this coronavirus, right? Sure, probably going to shut everything down, and then that's what it does. But yeah, it, it has been again in those nine months, like almost double. It's almost felt like double. It's felt like we're all like on punishment because I very much like as a kid when you know your parents were like, <laughs> all right, well you got to be in by sundown yep. for this whole week, and you're just like, oh, what am I going to do after six o'clock? <laughs> like. Right. Yeah, it's it's also like I feel like life is it's kind of dictated by benchmarks of time, right? Like mm-hmm. and I think that we all go, "Oh, we well, we've got that big thing happening for Memorial Day." Oh, and then we've got the plans, the big barbecue for 4th of July, and then you've got like, "Oh, then we got a vacation after that." And I think you've got these benchmarks along the way, which in the unfortunate situation that we're living in right now, well, we don't have those. Every day is the same. Tuesday looks like Wednesday and January looks like July. <laughs> How much has changed for you, like personally, as far as like day to day? With again, I mean, like it's it's almost that. It's kind of like we're all kind of just collectively like, okay, we're gonna put our quote unquote normal lives on pause and live this like weird. Um, we're all like extra cautious, extra like clean, which we should have been from the get go. Everything yeah. should have been as yeah. clean and stuff. But how much of your day to day life has changed? You know, since March when everything kind of officially shut down. Speaking of what you were just talking about there, I saw a guy at the grocery store when this whole thing first started that was wiping down the carts, right? Like, And they still do that now, and we don't think anything of it. But I was thinking, well, what if it was that guy's job or that girl's job every flu season? Like, think of how many Mm -hmm. less flu cases we'd have if that was a thing. But to answer your question, you know, I think all of our lives have been affected by this. And I think it's you know, you either deal with it or you get left behind. And I think that it was John Cena that said to me, control the controllable. 
And that really like rings in my head every single day. Instead of complaining about all the things that you don't have control over, focus on the things that you do have control over. And one of the biggest things is how you want to react to the things that are happening. So sure, I'm wearing a mask and sure, here in California, my gym inside is closed and I work out in a literal parking lot. And sure, we can't dine out at restaurants, but like my actual day-to-day life, it doesn't look that much different. I mean, I used to love doing interviews in person. That's not really a thing we can do. I've done a handful of them this year, but I've pivoted there. And I saw that we had to do exactly what we're doing right now, you know, using the power of the internet to make these connections happen. That's very much a thing with Dave and I. Like when we first started, we were very adamant about all these interviews have to be in, in person, person because yeah. there there is like a special thing I mean, I'm sure you can talk about it as well, where um, especially when with a wrestler where it's almost like, all right, I, I know I know the character I see on TV every whatever day of the week or I saw growing up. But like who who's the person behind the character? Let me try and get to know them a little bit more. And it's always so much easier when you're in person because it, it breaks the ice a little bit more. Like there has been some wrestlers we've talked to where it's it is kind of at first a little like. Oh, hi, I'm so-and-so. And And then once you get into it, you know, they warm up to you. But yeah, that was the one bummer with us, especially because we enjoyed it so much. Like it was so much fun for us to, you know, carry our equipment around. That's what like we, again, we mentioned the Jericho cruise. That was the one thing where we're like, let's bring this on, find whoever we can get. And they can't run away. They're stuck on the boat. Yeah, they're stuck on the boat. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) But no, it has been a little weird. And I think now we, we've, we've grown accustomed. Like you mentioned, thank, you know, thank the internet, thank technology, mm-hmm. because um, if the, like obviously podcasting wasn't a medium that was around, you know, oh, I think it's been around for about 10 years. But had it been, you know, let's say 15 years ago, it probably would have been like over the phone interviews that don't always sound the best like that. I guess that was our initial like fear at first, because there's been podcasts where you hear phone interviews and it's just very muffled and very grainy. Like, was that, was that something you were worried about too, that, you know, you, you'd get this big score and then you talk to them and it sounds like this the entire time, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I think that I always say that the biggest thing in podcasting is the perception is reality, right? So if your podcast doesn't sound good, people just automatically assume that your podcast isn't good. So I think that the quality of the podcast, the quality of the audio, and when you're talking about YouTube, the quality of the video has to be as good as it can possibly be. For me, it was just that I liked being able to say I met John Cena. I met Tom Cruise. I met Meryl Streep. I could keep name dropping for the rest of this episode, but (laughs) you get the point. I met Denzel Washington. I met Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, and when you do a Zoom interview with them, did you really meet them? I mean, yeah, but you know, and I wanted, I just wanted to be able to have that interaction because there's so much of a different connection when you can look someone in the eye, you can shake their hand, you can just feel their energy in the room. And that was why up until Corona was a thing, I wanted to do all my interviews in person for those exact reasons. And now that's obviously not a possibility. So I think I'm trading in a few percent. You know, I think the interview would be, even if it was just 1% better in person, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm trading in that 1% for the convenience and now safety of doing them like this. Yeah, you you definitely realize how, I mean, it is pretty convenient 
to get I, at least I think for us and maybe even for you to get more interviews because if you sit down for one day and you're just like hey you know uh let let's do our interview at this time and then with this other person let's do it at this time and you kind of just bank it out it's yeah. easier to just you know get five interviews in one day as opposed to like it, like I remember one WrestleCon weekend uh I was I was out there I had the equipment and I was just like <sighs> All right. Well, I'm gonna have to go to this venue and talk to this person, and then as soon as we wrap up, I have to hurry up and get over to this venue, and that's about 45 minutes across the way from town. And it, it is a little bit more convenient, but I definitely do miss that. It, it is just a little bit more intimate, like uh, especially with us. We used to record um, freelance wrestling. Uh, a lot of the shows at the venue where they would do it, there was this very spooky like hallway. It looked yeah. like it was like in the overlook hotel, you know, from the shining, like it was, Oh wow. Yeah. It was just like very creepy. And there's just literally one dimly lit light that we would just set up a table underneath. And occasionally like the, I don't know if he was the, the janitor or he would come check on the us. landlord. Yeah. Yeah, he would just walk by and he's like, you guys good. And we're like, yes, sir. Which was always like a little like, annoying. Cause he sees us with microphones in our hands and he was still just, <laughs> just yell out. But you know, it, 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 that was what it was. But man, I got to say too, though, like, again, you mentioned some of the people that you've spoken to and it is a lot nicer of a list than most people can, you know, can say. Like, I, I actually remember seeing a video of yours before I kind of really knew who you were. It's the, um, you with Donald Glover where you're asking him about the, this is America video. And he's right, yeah. Like, yeah. I remember seeing that and. Oh wow! That kind of piecing it together later on again when you know, like you started doing more stuff with wrestling, and I was like, oh wait, I was like, I've I've seen that guy. Um, are any are there any of those like celebs that you've met as far as like outside of the world of wrestling who you kind of like afterwards were just like, whoa, they're so much more cooler than like the on screen persona that they uh, they exhibit. Yeah, I think that you have this idea when you go in to meet anybody, whether it's a celebrity or it's a first date or it's a job interview, I think you have this idea in your mind of how it's going to go. And it's always so nice walking out of one of those interview rooms and going, huh, I had no idea. Like, I, I thought Woody Harrelson would be cool. And then, you know, I've, and I've interviewed him now like five times and I'm like, he is infinitely cooler than you could ever imagine. And it's, it's those moments where you're just like, that's awesome. Like, I love those. Like, I talk about The Rock frequently and, you know, I was a big, big fan of the Attitude Era and The Rock was, you know, he was my guy, a big rock fan. The Rock's everything you want him to be when you meet him and more. And so that's like, yeah, like you, you definitely don't have a low bar when you meet The Rock, but whatever your expectation was of him, he far beyond exceeds that, which is so incredible. And I, I just want to tap into like 1% of that from The Rock so that I can have that my own life. Yeah, you hear about that like from a lot of uh, people that have interviewed The Rock, especially that have done repeat interviews, is they'll say uh, he's remembered details like their kids' names or, or the things that they like, or the, they'll remember some small anecdote. Uh, he'll, he'll remember some small anecdote from when they last talked maybe months ago, and he's just got like this effervescence, I guess, that uh, it's really hard for other people to match, you know? I don't know how he does it. Like, I don't know if he has like a, like he studies before he does these interviews. I, I honestly don't know, but it's, it, it, it's just incredible. Like he, the fact that he knows me by name and our interactions have been, you know, five minutes tops. Um, this is actually a great story. So a friend of mine, Kevin McCarthy, he, he's an entertainment reporter in Washington, DC. The rock actually follows him on Instagram. So, 
I thought, oh, does The Rock really run his own Instagram? I always thought, yeah, he probably does, but does he really? You know, he has 200 million followers or whatever he has. So Kevin and his wife are in Hawaii about to do an interview for the last Jumanji movie. And they just walk to the store and they're walking back to the hotel from the store. And this SUV is like honking behind them. Honk, 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 honk. And they're like, oh, geez, like, sorry, we didn't, didn't, you know, know we were in your way. And then uh, the window rolls down and it's The Rock. And he's like, hey, get, get out of the way here. And like it was, he was just being like fun and funny. And he turns to my buddy's wife and he goes, I've always wondered, what does your Instagram username mean? And she's like, oh, what? He's like, yeah, I was just wondering, what do what the letters in the Instagram username mean? So the fact that like he was actually following my friend, then looking at the pictures of him and his wife and then remembering that for this, you know, impromptu conversation that they had i'm blown away by that that is such like an adorable thing because again with like how busy the rock is it's always constantly like if you're like i follow a lot of like movie like websites and stuff and it's always constantly like the rock is producing this the rock is starring in this he's just never he never stops you know, the, the man is like there was that video earlier in the year of him where he needed to get to work and like his fence wasn't working. So he just ripped it out as <laughs> as if that's just a normal thing that people do. But that that has to be the most adorable thing ever that like not only as is he following him, but actually looking at his pictures and stuff. And I, I couldn't imagine if he all of a sudden I was asking me what the meaning behind my Instagram name is. I probably just like I, uh, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> It, there was just so many layers to that. Like, not only did he want to know the name of, like, why her username was that, but like the fact that he saw them far from far enough away, and, and then decided to like honk the horn and make this little like, you know, make this entrance with them. Like, this is amazing. Like, what a guy. There, there is something special too about like, because you telling like your rock story, and I know it's like like you frequently online you'll be like, yeah, I, I talk to rock. I do the exact same thing, but with Kevin Smith. <laughs> Like huge Kevin oh, yeah, Smith man, great. have him tattooed on my shin. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan. And like very early on, uh, we got him. We got episode thirteen, and it was just like the craziest thing to me. Where I was like, we've peaked. I'm like, it doesn't get any better, you know. And like, wow. since then, yeah. since then, I've just not like I always tell like I've and I've spoken with him like you know several times since then. I'm like that was like my clerks. I was like you made clerks and you've never <laughs> stopped talking about it. I was like that is. That's me, and and kind of you mentioning how like he's also someone that remembers like very small details because uh, he was recently out here. They had like a movies pop up um, for movies, the restaurant from you know from his movies, and yeah, yeah. And I I had a uh, we do like the episode like little title cards, you know, whenever someone comes out, and we didn't have them at the we were doing it a little bit differently at the time we did his. So I had Dave over here. I was like, hey, can you draw me up one? I was like, he's not doing autographs. So I was like, maybe I can get get him to sign it. And sure enough, you know, at the thing, you know, we're kind of off to the side speaking, signs it, never once asks for my name or any, you know, he's like, yeah, I remember you and we're speaking and me thinking, oh, he's just being nice and, and cordial. Uh, he's probably just like, oh, this is the, the pro wrestling tease guy with the tattoo of my face on his leg. But he signs <laughs> it, you know, he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, we are podcasters, you know, Alberto. And I'm just looking, I'm like, whoa, I'm like, this, this guy didn't ask for my name. And again, very like a nice thing of his. He's like me and you. He's like we're contemporaries, and I'm like shut up. I'm like we. He's like no. He's like we're both podcasters. And again, a very much thing like The Rock, where they just they they come off as so nice, and they try to like warming, and they want to make you feel like you're important. And I think again, because 
I know we've had encounters with, you know, celebrities or, or wrestlers who aren't always uh, the nicest, you they, know. They haven't quite yeah, cracked sure. the code. Exactly. Yeah. But I think, and it might be the same for, your, for you know yourself, for every off person you meet once in a while, there's, when you get to meet someone like The Rock or a Kevin Smith, it makes it feel like so much better because, again, th- there's always the perception of like, never meet your heroes. But I found more. Well, than- the reality is, the reality is, those situations where someone isn't nice are so few and far between. For the most part, mm-hmm. like you know, humans are nice to other humans for the most part. And I think The Rock just kind of lives by that credo of, it's nice to be important, but it's important to be nice. Oh, definitely. I mean, if you follow, even if you follow him on social media, like he'll be like, "Hey, it's my uncle's birthday, so I gifted him this brand new, you know, pickup truck yeah. because." Uh, when I was 14, he let me drive his. It's always like small little things where you can very much tell like he remembers these small things, which I think just as a human, you know, like think to one of like your most thoughtful, nice friends. It's always like, oh, hey, I thought of you. So I bought you this or I thought of you when I was watching, you know, this movie that you said you enjoyed four years ago or something like that. Um, but as far as like getting into you know like doing more stuff within the world of wrestling how much how much more different was that than sitting down to talk to you know the tom cruises and meryl streeps well the thing that wrestling really afforded me was time when you're talking to some of these big stars like brad pitt and george clooney and morgan freeman i'll just keep dropping names throughout this whole interview (laughs) and jennifer aniston um when you talk to those people you've got a really limited window of time you're talking to them for four or five minutes in the wrestling world, as you know, especially when you have a podcast, you've got basically unlimited time. Like Joe Rogan has set this incredible precedent for us that interviews could be three, four hours, five hours if you want them to be. So well, I think what was cool when I first started to do wrestling interviews was, number one, time. Like they weren't on as big of a time crunch. But number two, I was able to bring this knowledge of being a wrestling fan to these interviews, which when I started doing wrestling interviews, I was working for a TV station most of the interviews they would do that day would be with people who, you know, had very limited knowledge of wrestling. So I would ask someone, some of my early interviews were like Jack Swagger, Mick Foley, Bobby Lashley. I would ask them stuff about current storylines or I'd ask them something about a huge storyline or a huge move that no one had ever asked them before. And they love talking about that type of stuff. You know, the, the fact that you're now speaking their language, I was able to niche right down into that niche with them And that actually made it really exciting, being able to know like very specific things that they were referencing and then being able to reference very specific things myself. I was, it was like a really fun thing. I felt like I was speaking that same language. Well, that is the thing too. When you see a lot of mainstream interviews with wrestlers and clearly the, the host doesn't know anything about wrestling. And sometimes, you know, with a lot of mainstream news people, they look down on wrestling and it's the silly carnival thing that's coming through and they'll humor them and you'll say, Oh, you're, you're Joe Schmo and you're going to be at the civic center. Tell us about that. But there's clearly no interest in it, you know? And then you would have people famously like Kathy Lee Giffords who really did not like wrestlers on like Regis and Kathy Lee. Um, right. Having that personal connection and love to the sport. I think, uh, and I also think, to a small degree wrestlers maybe have a small complex about like not being treated fairly you know in the media like they a lot of times the the thing is that they get looked down on as like 
just kid stuff, but I, I think a lot more people are starting to take it seriously because of interviewers like you. Well, it's very kind of you to say, but I, I don't know if I don't know if I'm really changing much <laughs> of anyone's perception with this. But I think I think what you know, it's it's no fault of any of these newscasters when they're doing dozens of interviews a week, mm-hmm. and they're probably only on this, you know, knowledgeable on the surface about most of these subjects in the same way that if I had to do an interview today with a NASCAR driver, you know, I could brush up and do some research, but I'm not a huge NASCAR fan. I wouldn't be able to really ask great questions. So I get it. I get when you see these news interviews where someone's like, and we're welcoming in John, uh, Chenna, Senna, Senna. Oh, John Cena. Yes, sorry. Uh, who is the former WWE um, champion? So I get it. I get why. I get why that's a thing. Well, then- but I also understand. I understand that complex you're talking about. I mean, you tell someone that you're a wrestling fan, and it's usually met with one of two answers, and you know this. It's met with, "Don't you know it's fake?" Mm-hmm. Or, "I used to watch that when I was a kid." And like, that's it. You don't really hear any other answer other than that. Well, that really, to me, is like the magic of someone like a John Cena or The Rock is that like, they sort of kind of transcend the box of wrestling. And like, when you get someone that's real personable, and they they get to be a people person in front of like a larger audience, um, that opens a lot of doors for people uh, that might not necessarily get that chance on a TV show, you know? Yeah, I completely agree, although it's interesting that you bring up The Rock and John Cena, and I'll also throw Dave Bautista into that mix. Mm-hmm. They all gained their mainstream fame from leaving wrestling, which I think is a really interesting testament to kind of what's going on in wrestling. Like, wrestling loves its own. Wrestling loves fellow wrestlers and fellow wrestling personalities. But in order for Dwayne Johnson and John Cena and Dave Bautista to be, you know, to get to that next level... They all had to leave wrestling behind. And I think that that's a really interesting observation. I think to me, the most interesting thing is always when um, people outside of the world of wrestling find someone like you, like you mentioned, like a Dave Batista or a John Cena, or like like in this example, uh, like Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho became friends with uh, with Kevin Smith and instantly, like Kevin talking about it, he was like, oh, I, was like, I had no idea you guys did this much like improv because if you think about it, especially for a lot of those wrestlers who did a lot of just on-air speaking before it became as scripted as it was, it's what it was. You went out there every Monday or Thursday and just improv in front of an audience. Like, even famously The Rock, who went into his match with Hogan, like, as the the, the good guy and had to kind of just switch yeah. up and be the bad guy. And you, you kind of hear the same thing about people talk about, like, Bautista, where they're just like, oh, I had no idea he's such a great actor. And, and it's like, I did. Yeah. You know, and there, and there is a legion of people who did, but it, it's also fun. You know, when it's like your bet, when it happens, you know, when like a friend of yours discovers, like, or they're all of a sudden like passionate about something you're passionate about, and you can just be like, oh, yeah, check out this. Yeah. Oh, you thought that was funny? You, you know, like you think Batista's funny in, uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy? Let me show you the skits he did with uh, Eddie Guerrero, or, you know, when, when, Batista was portraying Kanye West like on Monday Night Raw. Like it's always fun to be like, <laughs> here, here's some more supplemental material of that that kind of show you that it wasn't you know Batista wasn't just some tattooed meathead, some tattooed meathead that they they were like, hey you you come play Drax the Destroyer. Well, well, also I I also think like a lot of people had that aha moment when The Rock was first on like Saturday Night Live. Ah, sorry, Saturday Night Saturday Night Live. I just had a brain aneurysm. Sorry, but uh, 
he's on there, and people are like, this guy is so magnetic, and you know, he's the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. But like, outside of that, people are like, wow, this guy's got some chops, and to see him kind of go from that little seed and it grew into what he is now is great. Yeah, well, I think he was very intentional about it, and I think The Rock said, look, I can accomplish anything I want in the world of wrestling. I mean. Seriously, if Rock had stayed in wrestling, he'd be a 20-something time world champion, would have destroyed Ric Flair's record, and we'd remember him as one of the greatest of all time. The thing is, we're still going to remember him as one of the greatest of all time, but I think he was very intentional. I think he said, I want to accomplish something more outside of this world, and then he just started building it. And it, It's so crazy. I've, I, I always go back to this interview where he uh, was switching agents because he wanted to like get to a different level in Hollywood. And he said he wanted Will Smith's career, but bigger. And I'm like, wow, like that's, that's aiming for like the top. Cause at that time, Will Smith was the guy. And he's basically saying, I want to be that guy, but bigger. And here we are, as we sit here right now, that's exactly what he is. I, I think the wrestling has to like, comes in handy with that too, because I'm sure that at some point, you know, a, a rock saw somebody like a, you know, like a Shawn Michaels or a Hulk Hogan and said, I want that guy's career, but bigger. And, you know, depending who you see, it's, it's with wrestling me as subjective as it is. Someone might say, yeah, a rock is transcended, you know, a Hulk Hogan, a Shawn Michaels, and you could sit there and all day and argue about it. But yeah, you think about it now. And it's like, I feel like there's a younger generation who you're like Will Smith. And they're just like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Will Smith, you know, he's, he's famous because everyone tells me that he's famous. Right. And you're just like, yeah, no, like he is, he is Will Smith, but yeah, the, the Rock. I I feel at least a little bigger than Will Smith. Oh, a lot bigger. Yeah, the Rock's the Rock's arguably the biggest star in the world right now, and I think that the box office that his movies get really, you know, helps that argument. Which, like, it's funny to me because I because I was working at the movies when uh, it was just like every week was The Rock in some sort of like. He was reviving some sort of franchise, you know. I think it was like Journey is Center of the Earth, um, like the Fast and Furious, and they've kind of branched off from like him just coming in to again saving these franchises to him leading his own franchises. And he's such like a versatile actor that I'll like I want him in like some sort of like serious indie drama, you know, just something that, like that we we don't typically see The Rock in where he doesn't have to take his shirt off and just beat up a <laughs> bunch of guys like. I wonder, like, all right, let's see what he can really do because it's always, at least to me, with as, as much movies and stuff that I watch. Like, I remember the first time watching Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and I'm like, oh yeah, so like, good. I was like, where, where did this Jim Carrey come from? Like, ho- holy cow! Like, it's, it's just completely different. So I would, I def- yeah, I definitely yeah. think it'd be fun to see The Rock in like some sort of serious drama. Meteor, yeah. Yeah, like like when we saw Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting, it's the exact same thing. You know, I, and I've thought about this. I actually thought about asking The Rock that question last time because The Rock's been the best at absolutely everything that he's ever done. So I wonder if him winning an Oscar for acting is something that he wants to do. I wonder if that's one of his goals because I could totally see – you know, 10, 15 years from now, him losing 90 pounds for a role, you know, getting down to like a normal sized human like the rest of us <laughs> and, you know, playing a super serious character. But then I hear him talk and he's always talking about he wants the the global box office. He wants the global audience and he understands how important um, the box office is overseas. And that's why he just keeps making blockbuster after blockbuster after blockbuster. So, 
I don't think we're going to get that drama from The Rock anytime soon, but I could see this happening if, you know, if The Rock doesn't get into politics, which I just feel like that's something he's kind of like toying with. But if that doesn't happen... Yeah, yeah. It just every he seems to be aligning himself. Maybe it's not for 2024. Maybe it's even not for 2028. But I just feel like he's aligning himself for something. I mean, it's hard to argue against it because, again, one, how charming the man is. Like you can, I, I remember around his like second or yeah, his most recent run with WWE. Biggest CM Punk fan, and I was so upset when you know Rock beats him for the title. But then you see the guy like on Monday Night Raw cutting a promo, and you're just like, it's so hard to hate him because again, he's just, yeah, he's so he, good. He's so good at what he does, and I'm just like, I I know this is what he wants. He wants me to hate him, but I just can't. He's too good at it. Well, and then there's also the granular attention to detail that he's got that you know would be great for something like public office. But so I mean, the Rock aside, um, was there anyone you know when you when you started in this endeavor that you were like I, I need to talk to this wrestler this wrestler is on my you know is my white whale and again I mean I'm assuming the Rock was that but is there anybody else that or have you still not spoken you know to to said person or persons that you know it's on that list and, and you just you really got to talk to them before you decide to to hang up the podcasting boots. Yeah, I don't think I'll be hanging them up anytime soon. But yeah, The Rock was definitely at the top of that list. I really want to interview Vince McMahon. I want to interview Vince McMahon, the human. I want to interview Vince McMahon, the entrepreneur, um, more so than I want to interview Vince McMahon, the wrestling promoter. I just think it'd be so fascinating to find out what makes him tick, what what goes into the decisions that he makes. I don't know if this is an interview that's possible, but you know, I'll keep throwing it out there. But that's an interview I really, really want. Hogan was on that list, and I've been very fortunate to meet and interview Hogan many times. And, you know, just like The Rock, you remember tiny little details about like our meeting a, a year before. Like Hogan is in the position that he's in because he's that good at it. You know, we all know, you know, this is, you know, it's no surprise. And it's nothing against Hulk Hogan. He's not the greatest wrestler, but he just has an incredibly magnetic personality. So Hogan, Flair, um, you know, those were, that was so cool to be able to talk to both of them at the same time. I still have yet to meet Bret Hart and I'm Canadian. Like you said at the top of the show, I'm Canadian and Bret Hart obviously means a lot to me as a Canadian wrestling fan. So I look forward to being able to have that conversation hopefully sometime soon. I, I feel like that's, I feel like that's a possibility. You know, Bret is, I'll, I'll say Bret is pretty intimidating. Like I, uh, it was at the WrestleCon in New York. He was there and, um, typically at these WrestleCons, Ryan, I mean, now we've just amassed so many autographs, but here at the shop, we have like a, a giant autograph wall. It's literally be in, become a entire wall at this point. And wow. what, what, what he would do is he'd be like, Hey, do, are you, you going to WrestleMania this year? And it, I would be like, maybe why? And he would just, you know, give me a bunch of money to, to purchase autographs, you know, to pro wrestling tees. Just, that's all these autographs. It's, it's really cool. If, if When you come by the shop, we'll, we'll show you, but uh, yeah, there was one year. It was the last at the last WrestleCon. I went to go get Arn Anderson, who's like the nicest person ever. Uh, and I, I'll tell the story sometimes of with a lot of these older wrestlers. I'll you know I always go up to them, introduce myself. Hi, I'm Alberto. I work for Ryan at Pro Wrestling Tees. Oftentimes they just hear Hi, Ryan Pro Wrestling Tees. And assume that I'm him if they haven't already met him and they'll, you know, get up and hug me and thank me. And I don't have the heart 
to tell them like, oh, I'm not Ryan. Uh, oh, that's so funny. In the instance of Arn Anderson, because this was when Arn Anderson had just dropped T-shirts and he hadn't had T-shirts in God knows how long. And he was a top seller. So I go up to him, introduce myself, you know, and gets up and puts me in a bear hug and he's just thanking me. And I, again, don't have the heart to tell him, you know, oh, I'm not, I'm not Ryan. But we're just speaking and I'm like, yeah, you know, I came to get some autographs from, you know, this person, that person. He goes, oh, you know, Brett's sitting right over there. And just like so casually, I look over and I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll go over there and say hi to him. But he just has this aura about him where I'm like, that is the excellence of execution. I'm like, you don't just walk up to him. I don't just walk up and say, and like we already had Brett's autograph. And I was like, you know, maybe I'll go up and get it for my own. And it was one of those things where I'm like, I'm waiting in line. I'm like, no, it's okay. I'm like, I'll wait. I'm like, maybe he'll come by the shop for a signing. Because there is also that like sometimes when wrestlers come by the shop, um, like as much as like people a lot of people often think like oh pro wrestling tees it's all wrestling fans it's probably about half and half because some people oh, that's interesting because some people yeah i mean some people are just like yeah i i just want to have a job yeah <laughs> you, i heard you needed a t-shirt printer yeah. i can print t-shirts <laughs> and usually they'll like especially when we have like the shows on in the back you know they'll be like oh what's this or when luckily before like ryan he'd be like hey i bought the whole first two rows of this section do you guys want to come like it's always fun seeing you know, the people get Who converted. <laughs> yeah, because they always, before it'd be like, oh, we have 10 extra tickets. Who are we going to bring? Now more so it's like, oh, man, we only have X amount of tickets. Oh. Who, who, who are we kicking out? Yeah, who are we going to bring? Um, yeah. <laughs> but, like, wrestlers will come through the shop, and it is always interesting seeing the non-wrestling fans, how they react to some people. Because uh, you'll have, like, a DDP who you don't think is as big as he is, and him walking throughout he's the shop giant. yeah it might as well be like uh Groot you know when he's an actual tree just walking through the shop and everyone's <laughs> just like oh my god like famously Nick Aldis he came to the store and all the women who worked there were like who's this guy because he's walking oh. he's walking around with the belt in a in, suit in his suit <laughs> yeah. and you know just living up the gimmick and they're like who who is that guy we're like that's the NWA world champion and like it it, it is it's just fun because again most people when you think of wrestling you you automatically just assume like some big burly dude you know barrel chested um but it is always nice seeing people how they react my favorite one is chris jericho he came in to interview ryan and uh just covered head to toe in leather and scarves just looking like a rock star it was like, yeah. <laughs> he's got that aura uh, yeah, Jericho has a real rock star presence about him, like more so than he has a wrestler presence about yeah. him. Like he is a born and bred rock star through and through. Well, very much too. Like when you, because like again, we've met him a few times, like on the on the Jericho cruise, and you see him, and it's just like, yeah, man, this guy is he is living it up. Like He's he rocking is all night long because it's yeah, yes. it's, it's one of those things where you got to admire the man because growing up, he said. I want to be a rock star and I want to be a wrestler. Yep. And those are the two most laughable things. You might as well say like, you know, I want to just be famous for the rest of my life. Yeah. And he's achieved it. And he merged the two perfectly. Exactly. Like I very, even with like Fozzie, like I very much think, uh, having, um, what's it called? Judas. Judas as yeah. his theme song is paid off. Cause I remember the first Jericho cruise and like if it wasn't his official theme song yet because he was still in like that weird like uh, he's doing wwe and new japan and now he's friends with like the bucks and them and you know judas was playing and everyone was kind of just like yeah cool the new song 
come around to the second cruise and any time it came on it was just everyone just belting it out like famously if you watch him come out for his entrance everyone's singing along and stuff and like you got to imagine like the other members of fozzy are just like please use more, <laughs> use more of our music as your theme songs <laughs> i when i interviewed him when would this have been uh, it was right after his match with Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, did you purposely use Judas as your entrance theme? He goes, yeah, and if you noticed, I walked to the ring as slowly as I possibly could so that you could hear as much of the song as possible. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this guy is brilliant. I mean, it's smart businessman yeah. he is. Uh, so, you know, you mentioned some of the interviews that you've done. What have been some of, the, like, your favorite ones? that Because, again, if you go – either to your YouTube channel or, you know, wherever you get your podcast and, and download your show, there's so many to pick from. And there's like some pretty interesting ones too. Like, uh, like I know you, you had Muhammad Hassan on who that, like that was peak when I was watching wrestling, like that 2004, 2005 is when I started. Like I started a little later than most people. Like I remember like when you did it with him and you posted it, I was just like, I got to listen to this. I'm yeah, like, we haven't I, heard from him in a while. I was like, yeah, I've not heard of him from him in forever, actually. But what are some of like your favorite interviews that you've done? I mean, even if it's not, you know, with uh, the Chris Jericho's and the Hulk Hogan's of the world. <laughs> well, that interview with uh, Mark Copani, uh, a.k.a. Muhammad Hassan, was a really interesting one because he's really distanced himself from wrestling. I think he's had like two matches in total since leaving WWE, and now he's a, a principal in upstate New York, like a school principal, which is crazy. Cool. So the whole thing that I love about interviews is just – I love finding out what makes great people great. Like I love deconstructing, like what are all the steps that they took to get to be a Chris Jericho, a Rock, a Kurt Angle. So I've really enjoyed conversations, well, with all those people I just listed there, but like that that Kurt Angle interview I did earlier this year, that was a really fun one. Like he goes, yeah, let's do it in Pittsburgh. And I'm like, okay, cool, where? He goes, you tell me, like, where are you staying? I'm like, I wasn't planning on staying in Pittsburgh, but... Now I will get a hotel. And I got a hotel for the night and stayed there for an hour just so I could do this interview with Kurt Angle. So I, that was that's one of my favorite interviews of this year for sure. But The Rock's at the top of this list. The Rock's great and so insightful. The interview I did with John Cena at WrestleMania last year was it was so good. He's so insightful. And there were moments in it where I felt like I was attending a TED Talk. Like John Cena is so much more insightful and so much more of a critical thinker than you would ever think. And, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen that interview or you remember it, but we had 10 minutes. We had exactly 10 minutes for this interview. And I start to wrap the interview up at the 10 minute mark. And he reaches in his pocket, grabs his iPhone, and goes, Oh, no, we still got more time. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, yeah, keep going. I'm like, well, how much more time do we have? I'll let you know. Just keep going. I'm like, what? And then about five minutes later, I felt bad. I started to wrap up the interview again. He goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me look at the time. Yeah, you got time for one more. <laughs> what? That was, it was just, he was so kind and so gracious with his time. And I'll never forget that. So uh, look, I could sit here and list off a hundred interviews that I've loved, but there's nothing better than being able to have this connection. Like the one that we're having right now, just being able to have a conversation and, you know, you give me your take on your life and, you know, your view in the world. And I'll give you my take on my life and my view in the world. And, you know, it's just a, a great moment that we share. I very, I very much remember that Kurt Angle interview that you did with him because like, 
Kurt Angle was some. I grew up watching wrestling only because Kurt Angle was such a piece of shit to Eddie Guerrero that I had to see. <laughs> I had to see Eddie Guerrero get the one up on him, and then you know everything else was kind of it was all you know downhill from there or uphill wherever however you see it. Um, and I re- I remember meeting Kurt once. It was at a WrestleCon, my first WrestleCon that I went, and. In fr- you know, in front of me were, t- were two women, and I'm just like oh, nervous because again, I mean, I obviously don't have the chance to meet Eddie at this point. So the closest I'll get is Vicky, you know, Chavo, Kurt, just because those were the people I associated the most with him. And sure. so there's these two women in front of me, perfectly normal, just having a conversation. How you know the three of us are, and they're like, "All right, next." They go up there, and immediately at like at the flip of a switch, burst out into tears crying their eyes out telling kurt how much they love him oh my gosh how how he means so much to them because i think they were also from uh from pittsburgh they were just crying and telling him and and poor kurt is just like bug-eyed and just like okay it's hey it's all right sweetie don't don't cry to the to both of these ladies and they get through pictures and in the picture i felt so bad because they're just it is not a good picture they're just full-on crying their eyes out and you know afterwards I walk up to him and we're both kind of just like, whoa, that was pretty intense, huh? And in the back of my mind, I'm like, thank thank God that I also, like, as much as I was freaking out on the inside, none of that came <laughs> out because I was like, I don't think this guy could handle two back-to-back freakouts. But you're like, thank God that wasn't me. Thank God I held it in. Well, yeah, I was like, no, I was like, I'll wait till afterwards to, to break down. But you, <laughs> but you mentioned it is always nice. I, like Dave and I always appreciate when people give us – you know, because you mentioned sometimes it is like, oh, I only have X amount of time. Like we we famously we did an interview with uh, with Killer Cross, and we so we it was our our buddy had like a, a horror pop up thing show, a yeah. show yeah, and uh, he was like, hey, if you guys want to do a live podcast there, go ahead. And again, it was like very early on into this, to where we we're just like, we have no idea what to do, but. Uh, luckily one of our friends they were screening a movie that you know he'd done with with his son and the director was there as well so we're like cool we'll we'll bring them on but we're like we're we're gonna go do this interview real quick with uh with killer with carrying cross you know killer cross then at the time yeah and we i think we told them like we're like yeah we'll just do half hour and i know you, you've done an interview with him and you know how just how nice of a person he is and he how he can talk he, he's a talker once you get him going it went okay, like, so well spoken. Yes. It went almost like an hour and a half. And like at a certain point, they're like, hey, we're like, are you guys coming on? What's going on? So we literally had to like, all right, we're like, we literally have to wrap up the interview right now. We're like, cause they're waiting on stage for us. And he's like, oh, okay, no, no, go ahead. And like, just like kept thanking us. He's like, thank you so much for, for letting me talk and, and wanting to speak to me. It was, it was just like, what are you, what are you thanking us for? Like, we're very much grateful that, you know, you took yeah. the time out of your day. And I think it's cool, like, because you mentioned with John Cena, especially the fact that he's like, no, 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 I want to keep talking to you. It was the same thing with us when we're just like, all right, we'll wrap up. And, you know, Killer Cross is like, no, 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 let's let's keep talking about horror movies. And we're just like, all right, let, let's see. What else you want to talk about? But uh, uh, isn't that the coolest feeling? Isn't that the coolest feeling when someone is like appreciative of it and just, you know, want it? They want to continue. That's the best feeling in this podcasting world. Well, it's because a lot of the time too with wrestlers, like I got. That's why whenever again we approach wrestlers, we're like, listen, we don't, we're not going to sit here and ask you about like when did you start and what is your dream match and like these just general questions that just they get asked so much because like me and Dave, we're not going to ask 
we're not going to ask any of those questions and get a different answer that, you know, that like a, that an art of wrestling or, a, a, you know, talk is Jericho that, that they haven't or already won't get from that. You know, like, yeah, we're, we're much more interested in like we mentioned, like, hey, uh, Killer Cross, you know, where did you get the influence from your movie or for for your character? And he's like Japanese wrestling and horror movies. And let me tell you why. And just hearing hearing those things, hearing how like these people think, how the gears were turning, yeah, exactly. Like that's always just so much more interesting. Like we famously uh, during the summer when The Watchmen was out, Dave and I totally obsessed with it. And our favorite thing was like we would have guests on, and we would just start. We'd be like, yeah, do you watch The Watchmen? And they would be like, for the most part, it was yes. And they would just divulge into a whole Watchmen podcast where, <laughs> you know, it's like this person who I imagine if they're a fan of this wrestler, they tune in to hear them talk about, I don't know, defending their title or something. All of a sudden are listening to the three of us talk about like, and what do you think the social commentary behind this episode of The Watchmen was and why? And what do you, you know, is Dr. Manhattan going to show up? Who knows? Or even, you know, we've had guests talk at length about the Power Rangers or the Yu-Gi-Oh! trading card game and cartoon. And, like, like the thing we love most is, like, having our listeners just see these people that are basically superheroes on their TV. They're, they're actual nerds, and they're actual people that have hang-ups yeah. just like us. And, like, I really love that, like, people are doing a lot of wrestling podcasts because that really humanizes the performer. Whereas, like, before they, they might have had reputations as rock stars and they, they were up all night and you know maybe not doing the stuff that they were should be doing and, and now you can kind of see them in a more human light where hey they're they're really just like us they're in wrestling's their job it's a cooler job for than most people but you know they're people yeah well a lot of this has obviously shifted as well with kayfabe not really being as big of a thing anymore yeah. and because of that, now we get to see the human side of people because in the 90s, especially the 80s, you wouldn't have been able to do an interview talking about your favorite cartoon or TV show or movie because that's just not how it was. You were the character in all public aspects that you were on TV. So if you were doing an interview, you were that character. And that's why it became such a big thing to have these quote-unquote shoot interviews where someone was finally being themselves. Yeah, well, also during the shoot interview, like heyday, it was also like very negative sometimes. A lot of people just airing their grievances and oh yeah, big time for a lot but, of people. But, but, that was off-putting. You know, air, airing their grievances for sure, but also they weren't able to do that. And yeah. like I, I, I'm not a big shoot interview fan at all because I agree with you. It's just hours and hours of them just. Sour airing their grievances, yeah. talking about all the negative things, and I'm a lot more about positivity. Exactly. I'd rather talk about the good things. Very much same with us. Like that was the one thing where, uh, when we started this, we we're like, any like you know, it, listen. If someone's speaking and they start talking about like something really negative, it's like if it fits within the context of what we're speaking, sure. But like also at the same time, we don't want it just to turn into like yeah, we're not looking for dirt. Yeah, no dirt or like some yeah. like, twenty thirty minute like shoot because again like, if. You want that? You can go find it. And again, also There's plenty of places that have that. Plenty yeah. of places to get that. Um, but Chris, just sort of like as we wind down here, you know, you clearly are a fan of wrestling because you look at the number of people that you've yeah. like recorded with, and it's also just not like you know the 
the ta- the flavor of the week that you're just like here i am with uh john moxley no like clearly you're a wrestling fan <laughs> so at, at one point does wrestling come into your life wrestling first was introduced in my life in the late 80s so i would have been like five six seven years old and i remember just being on at my grandparents house and my grandpa wasn't like a huge wrestling fan but you know, he loved sports. And in Canada, you obviously watch a lot of hockey. So if hockey wasn't on or baseball or basketball or football, it'd be wrestling. So Saturday night, I would just, I was introduced to wrestling and that was the larger than life characters of that era. So Hogan and Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior. And of course you also had like Sergeant Slaughter and Repo Man, Coco Beware. That was my first introduction to it when I really became like a mega fan was the attitude era. So it would have been like 97 into 98 when Austin McMahon was the big storyline. That was really what sucked me in. And when I, when I like something, when I become passionate about something, I go all the way in on it. I don't check the temperature of the water. I do not check the depth of the water. I just dive all the way in and figure it out once I'm in there. And I went from watching zero hours of wrestling to watching literally everything that was available. And that was Raw on Monday, switching between that and Nitro. Raw then repeated in Canada on TSN on Tuesday, and I would watch it again at 4 o'clock. This is before SmackDown, but we had ECW on Friday, and then you had Thunder, and you had um, Sunday Night Heat and Shotgun and Jacked and Metal. I watched it all. Uh, so I went from like zero to 1,000 <laughs> pretty quickly. Which is funny, be, like because when you start to get into wrestling, it was very much just, again the same with myself. Like was, which is was not into wrestling. I was the contrarian who you know thumbed my nose at everyone because I was too cool for wrestling. And then you know again find Eddie Guerrero, just fall down that rabbit hole, and I'm all about it. Like specifically too, because I, I at first I started out just watching SmackDown every Friday night, and I would tell my friends I'm like I can't hang out tonight. Because uh, <laughs> because Rey Mysterio was wrestling for you know for the U.S. title or whatever the case was, and he'd be like, I can come hang out at nine o'clock when it's finished, but like from seven to nine, don't even bother. You know, don't come looking for me. Like I'll come find you guys. Um, but having been a fan of wrestling for so long, do you remember your first piece of wrestling merchandise? That's a really good question, and I think that my very first piece was a replica belt. It was. It was like the winged eagle, but it was made of like it wasn't like that one that's like the like the plastic one. It was plastic, but it was like plastic, but it was kind of like bubbled. So it was like bubbled on like a very flimsy leather belt. Oh man! I th- and that thing got destroyed because you know I had a friend who had a trampoline, and when you're in high school and you have a friend who has a trampoline, well, your friend actually really has a wrestling ring in their backyard now. <laughs> <laughs> So we we would always stop by my friend's house on the walk home from school. And that trampoline became the setting for many a rock bottoms, many a choke slams, which are very easy moves to do when you're on a trampoline. Then we're like, oh, a DDT is just grabbing them around the head and falling backwards. And we can do that. Oh, a suplex is pretty much just that, but with a little flip. So we had this little flimsy belt that I bought at the mall. I remember that. It was like, Far too overpriced for what it was. But then we would have these like silly little matches on the trampoline with our with my belt. So that was the very first piece of wrestling merchandise. And then that trampoline wrestling turned into uh, we had a friend that had a 
backyard wrestling company or backyard wrestling league company, a league. So I became a backyard wrestler through this whole weird process. Yeah. I remember what was your name? Cause I remember you posting pictures of, I, I believe you, you've posted a picture of. You yeah, know, yeah. 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 Chris Sharp. Chris. He was sharp walking, sharp talking, <laughs> sharp dressing, cutting a promo on you right now. <laughs> Which that's always, again, it's fun because I, we didn't have a wrestling ring, but there was like a, down the block from us, this, this woman had a garden that she, it was no longer tended to. It was just kind of there, but it had like four posts in each corner with like a little piece of oh. string. So we were just like, Oh, okay. That's going to, and we would play in there until and we, like, I feel so bad now because she was probably, and this was years ago, she was probably 70. She was old. And so she would just like yell at us from the window and occasionally like her downstairs neighbors. I remember his name was Doug. He would come downstairs and be like, come on, you guys. Like Martha's going to keep yelling (laughs) if you guys play. Can you just please? And we'd be like, okay. But we would literally, because especially if, and I feel the worst, if my dad, because that's normally where he would park, I'd be like, it's okay. You, You can get on the hood of his car and jump off. You know, because we try to like, ah, oh, wow. and like, I thankfully no one ever like kicked the mirror or dented it dented or anything. Hood, yeah. But in my 12, 13 year old mind, I'm like, it's my dad's car. It's totally cool. Like knowing yeah. how if like one of my nephews like told their friends like, yeah, go ahead and get in my uncle's car. I'd get them. I'd throw them in that ring, you know, and put them <laughs> in a sharpshooter or something. <laughs> So we didn't have a ring either. We had three gym mats. Like, remember those blue gym mats? Uh-huh. We had three of those, and we had an old table that we jumped off of, and that was it. <laughs> but but we had a very nice-looking wrestling belt. A friend of a friend worked at a trophy shop and basically made us, like, the plates for a really cool-looking belt, and then we put it on, like, a piece of leather. So we had a really good-looking belt, and we actually had a pretty solid backyard wrestling federation. I was the two-time HCW champion. Um, I don't, am I the current champion? I don't, we just kind of like it just kind of disbanded when we all <laughs> went to college. No, I'm not. No, uh, Danny Courageous is the current champion. We had to go <laughs> so find ridiculous. him. Yeah. Got to go find him. Get your win belt, that belt back. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Actually, he ended up going on to becoming a, a wrestler, which was crazy. So after the backyard wrestling, I was I went off to college and then I was like, you know, I've always wanted to be a pro wrestler. This is my dream. And I went to wrestling school, kind of realized I couldn't do both college and pro wrestling school at the same time. I, I wanted to be able to devote 100% of myself to whatever it was that I was doing. So I, I was like, I, I wrestling will always be there. But, you know, it's just not for me right now. And I was the only one from our Backyard Wrestling Federation that went on and actually like pursued it. And then out of nowhere, our buddy at like, I don't even remember, like 27, 28 years old, just started training. And I'm like, yes, this is amazing. And then he went on to work a whole bunch of independent wrestling matches in Ontario. He wrestled under the name, his real name is Will White. And he wrestled under the name Will White. But when you made him mad... He turned into Bill Black. Did I get it? Will White, Bill Black. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It was, so he he had like tearaway wrestling trunks that were white, and then when he got mad, he would tear them off, and he would have black ones underneath. I'm like, what a great gimmick that was. So I'm really proud of Will for actually like chasing after it and doing that. Um, but yeah, it all began. It all began in our friend Greg's backyard. <laughs> See, that is such a fun gimmick that like would work at like a GCW. 
you know like if the right person did it that would be you know that would be over and you'd see you know either on monday night or wednesday night someone trying to replicate that because yeah like on surface all right yeah okay but i think you know if done if done well that is totally genius because even think about it like if you're a kid and you're like yeah i'm gonna do the same thing all you need is a pair of uh you know one colored pants and then the other and just rip them off and all of a sudden you're that character you mean business yeah, no, and, and Will went all out with it. I'm super proud of him. You know, he he was Danny Courageous, by the way. <laughs> he was he. So, so I gotta go find I gotta go find Danny Courageous now. Will White, aka Bill Black, and have this match make for sure the HCW Championship. Make sure just make sure you don't get him mad, though. But no, Ooh, it is always. It's kind of like it's like wrestling's version of the Hulk. What yeah. a great gimmick that was. Uh, like we also like so when we got the wrestling ring here at the shop, which was like post all in. Um, it's the highest spots had something to do with us getting the ring in yeah. here. Like I remember, because again we've mentioned freelance wrestling, and you know we have the freelance wrestling academy here. Uh, our two of our buddies that wrestle there, including Matt Nix, the the owner, he, you know, we were, I was like, you got to show me how to wrestle, got to get me in there. I'm like, I, I know it's not something I'm I'm going to do. I'm like, but I just I got to do it. And even like running the ropes, nobody, you know, it hurts, like, it hurts so bad. Like I'll. <laughs> So we mentioned to you, you know, the wrestling ring is right underneath where we record. Well, my trick with the ladies is whenever, because again, I mentioned that I, I live right above the wrestling ring. So whenever they come through, you know, we, we come through the garage and I'm like, oh, this is this is a wrestling school. And <laughs> 90% of them have never seen a wrestling ring or have never even been that close to one. And they'll be like, oh, well, you know, that's so cool. And I'm like, yeah, you want to get in there, you know, and, and lead them in there. I'll be like, oh, have you ever ran the ropes? And again, the one thing I know how to do is run the ropes really fast, and that is oh, it. Oh, that's good. You know, so I'll be like, oh, check this out, and just run the ropes, and they're always like, oh, wow, that's so cool, except my cardio is not good, so I'll just be like, <sighs> <sighs> yeah, right? <laughs> but it is always like impressive, because again, until you get inside of a wrestling ring... It's very imposing. Yeah, yeah it's very imposing. Like, yeah, I think one of my favorite things is, even like as a kid, more so now as an adult, is like when you would go to a, like a WWE show... And again, depending on the venue where you are, like I know for us, it was the Allstate Arena. Um, it was close to us, and there's there's curtains blocking off like the aisle ways to get in. But it, like every now and then, you get like a little peek in there, and you just see people filling in, and the ring is there, and the chi- the giant Titantron, and you're just like, oh my god, like yeah, this is real, like it's a real thing. Um, but before we let you go, Chris, uh, I, you know, you already answered the the one question as far as your first piece of wrestling memorabilia. What is, do you have a favorite piece of wrestling memorabilia? I mean, especially, you know, maybe something you would have amassed over the years. I, I mean, you clearly, you don't have the backyard wrestling belt, you know, so <laughs> I need, I need to get that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have a ton of wrestling memorabilia. I, I don't have a ton of movie memorabilia either. I've just, I don't know. I've been living in the moment rather than going, oh, you know what I really need? I need something to commemorate this moment. But I'm glad that. After going to WrestleMania 18, I was 18 when I went to WrestleMania 18. It's my favorite match of all time, Rock versus Hogan. For Christmas that year, I asked my sister if she would get me the WrestleMania 18 poster. So I have it on my wall. Looking at it right now, it's Icon versus Icon. It's Rock and Hogan staring at each other. I have my ticket stub in the bottom left. Crazy to think that I sat in the 16th row for $135 at WrestleMania. Like, that's... (sighs) 
Yeah, right. It's like five times that much now, probably. It wasn't that. And I got Hogan to sign this. That was Canadian money. Yeah. Jesus. I think so. I think. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. But look at 135.50. So Hogan has autographed this. And I think that, you know, at some point over the next 30 years, I need Rock to sign the other side of this. So that's my favorite piece of memorabilia. I smile every time I look at it because I think of just that crowd reaction, which is something we're so desperately missing right now in wrestling. But I think of that crowd reaction and how they made, you know, what was a a pretty decent wrestling match, the best wrestling match of all time because that crowd was so into it. No, I can definitely relate. Like I have, uh, I was at Money in the Bank uh, in 2011 when Punk won and I still have like my tickets. Uh, I I don't keep all of them. I have, you know, some, but like, Again, just staring at that, night, and yeah. like as much as we work with Punk, I've also I've not had him sign it yet. But it's also like one of those things where I'm, I just, I don't want to be like, can can you sign my ticket? Which again, we're pretty cordial with each other. You know, he knows me by name, but it is it is always cool to to look back at even something like that, like the poster, the ticket, because as much as you're able to rewatch these things on TV, to be able to say you were there for something live. Whether you're, you know, sitting in the 16th row or up in the nosebleeds, like it is still just the experience. Kind of like you mentioned, that's why it is a little weird watching wrestling now, where it's like they're all on they're all on computer screens, and yeah. it's fine because like we understand, like for the most part, most people understand why the arenas can't be filled. Um, but I I'm very much looking forward to the day where we can all kind of just pack an arena again and not worry you know, about like, oh no, like is is this going to be the last show we attend because of, you know, this virus? Yeah. Although I will say, you know, my hat's off to all of the different wrestling promotions who have figured out a way to make this work. And, you know, it was really strange when, when things started getting locked down in March, you know, there were the memes going around, oh, Raw's going to look like this. And it was like rock mankind and the empty arena match. And we all kind of went, ha ha, yeah, right. And then, sure enough, that's exactly what it was. But my hat's off to WWE for figuring out the Thunderdome, which looks really good on TV. Sure, it's not the same as having 15,000 screaming fans in an arena, but they figured out a way to make the best of a bad situation. My hat's off to AEW for being the first to point the camera at the entranceway rather than pointing the camera at all the empty you know, seats in the, in the stands. And they were really good about putting the wrestlers around the ring. So that at least there was some sort of energy there. It's been cool watching everyone kind of figure this out, but man, I think I speak for everybody when I say I'm so excited for whenever a full capacity crowd can be back. And I, I'm, you know, it's probably no time soon, but when that happens, that will be like WrestleMania and the Super Bowl and the World Series all rolled into one. Right. Like they don't even have to put on like the best card. It could just be like a card full of like mediocre matches with one good card. And I think just based on everyone just just being happy to be there, it will come off, like you mentioned, like a WrestleMania level like show. Because I mean, even with us, we were at Revolution, which I think was like, one of the last well like one of the last big shows to happen and i was recently yeah. watching revolution and all i could think of was like where are all those kids masks yeah. like even <laughs> i'm like just looking at everyone which even with like tv and stuff like i've been re-watching um god what was i've been re-watching the leftovers on hbo um 
because it's because I'm like, oh, like that show's kind of about like, uh, you know, I, I mean, people disappearing, but it's just like, oh, here's a group of a selected group of people that are, uh, you know, being or that were gone, and it's just kind of interesting to see. I'm like, oh, there's just no way if you know X amount of people disappeared from the world the world would not act like that. I'm like, I've seen how, you know, how people are reacting in a pandemic where we're like, there's 2 million people dying and you know, we, we won't get political, but just watching the show and I'm like, why, why aren't people wearing masks? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's weird. Um, and I, the, the closest thing I can think of to something this big was like nine 11. And after that, people were very kind to each other and very respectful and that lasted maybe for like a month or so, and then we all kind of just went back to being assholes to each other. But like something like this, I think, <laughs> has kind of irrevocably changed our brains. And like, I think it'll be weird at first to go into a crowd, but I, I hope some of the precautions we took, like like you mentioned, you saw someone wiping down carts. I, I hope that's something that stays. You know, yes. I, I hope we're smarter about the way we interact with the world and the people around us, and. You know, if this thing has taught us anything, it's we've started to respect personal space a little bit more, which is I, I think is a good thing. I mean, it, it sucks that we have to do it this way, but um, I just hope that like when we get together as crowds, that uh, we're a little more respectful of each other, a little more mindful of coughing and just doing the stuff that we all took for granted when this wasn't a problem. And so, you know, I think this might have been strong enough to do it for everyone. I hope so. I hope, I mean, there is a lot of good in this situation. There's a lot of good, you know, currently going on right now, but I just hope that we can take the good that's happening right now and move forward with that. Cause look, I get, it's a really tough time right now. It's a tough time for a lot of people. And, you know, some people have lost their jobs. Some people have lost their houses. Some people have very unfortunately lost their lives, but there is, you know, a silver lining in all of this. And I hope that we're able to move forward into 2021 and beyond remembering that and carrying that with us. Chris, uh, I think my biggest takeaway from this is just your general positivity yeah. and just how, again, like you mentioned earlier up front, it very much like a mantra that I've had for the last few years now is, you know, you can't control anyone's reactions. You can only control how you react to their actions and kind of use that in my life to like, you know, again, kind of control what you can control because there's so many so many things that you can't ever control and if you you know sit around all day trying to you're just going to drive yourself crazy mm -hmm. um but again one of my biggest takeaways from all this is just how and it's probably the canadian in you just how positive you are <laughs> you know uh what part what part of canada are you from uh just outside of toronto i'm from a town called pickering ontario i've heard of the, the home of sean mendez okay i i've spent some time over in in toronto mostly like downtown um I like Sneaky D's. I like their nachos. Oh, I love Sneaky D's. I used to, so I lived downtown before moving to America. So I'm very familiar with Sneaky D's and everything downtown. A buddy, a buddy and I talked recently. I promise. We'll, we'll, we just keep telling stories. But uh, my first time in Canada, I wound up hanging out with my buddy, um, Braden. He took me to Sneaky D's. And then his friend, there was like some sort of club or something next door. And his friend's like, yeah, come by. And so we go there. And it's this like weird rave going on. And he and I, <laughs> he and I are both in wrestling. Like I'm wearing my pro wrestling tees, everything because I'm a walking billboard. And he's also wearing like some, some wrestling stuff. And we're just off sitting to the corner, talking wrestling. And there's all these people dancing, having the time of their lives. And you know, eventually we leave, and we're having the conversation. Where we're like, man, 
we were at this rave and just sitting around talking about wrestling like like why why did we stay there we're like we could have just gotten up and left at any point but again i think it was like the politeness in him where he's like well my friend invited me again to which his friend was like a bartender so we showed up he kind of just oh here's some waters and then left to do his job um but i'm very 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 big fan of canada i i I famously accidentally got a maple leaf tattooed on me thinking jason Voorhees was canadian um (laughs) and he he's not he is from crystal lake yeah uh, but Chris, uh, we're definitely going to have to bring you back on at a, at a certain point because um, I feel like there's still so much you could probably just go on rambling about. Uh, but we'll go ahead and let you go. Where can people find you online? I, I'd love to do another one of these. And thank you guys so much for having me on. And this was a great conversation. And keep up what you're doing. I look forward to episode 100 <laughs> to hear Ryan Barkin's third ever interview. <laughs> Um, people can find me. I'm at Chris Van Vliet online and wherever you're listening to this, you can find the Chris Van Vliet show uh, on any podcast platform. You see, our our trick with Ryan is you know, even though we advertise it forever, episode 100, you know, r- third podcast Ryan ever does. But we've kind of been tossing around the idea of for episode 101. And we say it here because we know he, he's not listening. He's not listening. Uh, <laughs> for episode 101, we're going to be like, Ryan, we compiled the list of complaints about you from the shop, things people hate about you. And then just, oh. and just make up a list of things that like, you know, we know if we're just, we're like, yeah, someone said they don't like yeah. the fact that you shave your head. Yeah. Just say things <laughs> that we know will like, you know, mess with him. It's just like a whole, you know, just, yeah. just a, do it with him because again he doesn't do podcasts often and i'm sure yeah. that the one episode 100 that we do be very insightful much like the one that he you know i I would hope he is as insightful and speaks on ours as much as he did on yours but to have like a whole other like if episode 101 is just us fucking with ryan for a whole episode yeah it's fantastic i love it uh, but thank you again chris yes, and yeah you. we look forward to having you back on soon now let's do it thanks again guys Thank you again to the wonderful Chris Van Vliet. I forgot to ask him about swimming with alligators. Yeah, and, well, also, he is a pretty good bass fisherman. We forgot to talk about that, too. Hey, <laughs> but yeah. there's always the next episode. Yeah, there's always the next episode. That, that, that is one of the fun parts here uh, that when, you know, we usually have notes, but don't often get through much of them because we wind up just, uh, you know, chit-chatting about everything, everything else under the sun as yeah. which was the case with, you know, with Chris's interview, but really fun. I, one of the more fun ones that I've enjoyed and, uh, next week will also be a very fun episode. Next week will be our Christmas episode with, uh, none other than Sarah Shockey and Marty DeRosa of Marty and Sarah love wrestling. They're staples here, you know, at the PWT cast. Marty was our yes. first guest. Sarah was also, uh, she was the first female guest on. I, just, I, I love them both. Love having them on. And Sarah is someone who she exudes Christmas. She is the Christmas <laughs> spirit and, you know, come to life. So it'd be very fun having her on it. I, if you enjoyed our Thanksgiving episode, I imagine it'll be something along the lines of that. Um, but very excited to, you know, to get that with her and then, you know her show their show has been known to have different buddies on you know everyone from uh Werner herzog to uh bruce springsteen you know maybe you know i know santa's popped up a few times maybe we can get santa for our show i i don't know david 
you know, it might, go, it might get crazy. It might get crazy on there. Yeah, they do have a, a litany of uh, buddies who just show up on their show. But uh, nonetheless, I'm excited for that. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to, again, the sponsors of the show who without them, uh, the show wouldn't come to you guys free every week. We, of course, have Freelance Wrestling, the official sponsor of the PWT cast. Um, we've got M3 Toys. Christmas is right around the corner, you guys. Like if you haven't bought your Christmas gifts yet, what are you doing? Hurry up and go now, especially if you're ordering online, which you should, you know, avoid malls and things of that nature right now during a pandemic unless absolutely necessary. Uh, yeah. But listen, I've bought things and I've paid for two day shipping and it's been way longer than two days. And it's just the way the mail is right now. You know, you, you can't get mad at the post office for being overwhelmed with little work that they're being overwhelmed with right now but if you're local to chicago and you you know you want to pick up some NECA figures some baby yodas uh some funko pops some wwe figures head over to m3 toys uh you know you can find out their location come by here they have a nice little retail setup that they've got going on in their older office uh and hey, if you are, you know, if you don't live in Chicago, but you still want to support them, use promo code PWTCast. We get a whole ass 10% off as well as uh, I love me a good horror themed pun t-shirt. David, what about you? Oh, I can't get enough of them. You know what I can't get enough of is uh, Danny Fanny DeVito fanny packs. And in case you guys are wondering, yeah, that is a fanny pack with the likeness of one Danny DeVito. Uh, do you know where you could get that kind of stuff, Dave? I think I know a guy, Vinny at the cryptic closet.com has quite a few of them. And if you've ever seen an ad for them, you know, just how beautiful and perfect these things are. He's sewing the little hair on the side. He's got the likeness of Danny DeVito on there. Um, we've given a couple away to some of our listeners. Um, these things are just perfect. And, uh, if you go over to his site right now, cryptic closet, the cryptic and uh, use code PWTcast, you get a whole ass 20% off anything on their store. Uh, that's the Fanny DeVito. That's, the horror themed pun shirts and that's also the Danhausen jacket which it's like a sweet black and red varsity jacket with a, a really nice Danhausen patch on the back uh you can't go wrong so the crypticloset.com again use PWTcast for a whole ass 20% off and those Danhausen jackets are going fast so you know yes they are if you want to be very good and very evil this holiday season head over now and purchase yours and then again last but not least um, a lot of us are trapped inside right now, you know, avoiding the public. We don't want to go anywhere. We don't want to touch anything. Um, but if you uh, like me, if you're like me and you like reading comic books on your downtime, head over to GorillaPublishingGroup.com. They have so many awesome books. They just released Tales of the Cryptic Closet 2 in which uh, myself and uh, former guests on the show, Frank Spahik, are wonderful severed heads. Uh, are beautifully portrayed on the back as was mine on the first issue and as will mine on every issue that they ever do i i love <laughs> these two so much that i will support them in any endeavor uh, but head over to gorilla publishing group.com and check out some of the wonderful books they've done in the past as well as current issues that they have going on um dave it's a really really packed episode that we had this week and again we have a yeah. lot of i know you and i are, are always working hard and diligent at getting uh fun fun guests you know we're more so concerned with like fun interviews than we are downloads or anything like that but again if this is yeah. your first time listening check out some of our older episodes and tell a friend uh if you guys you know like the pwt cast 
uh, go give us a five-star review wherever, you know, you're listening to. If it's on iTunes, you know, it, it's as easy as just click the five stars and, you know, I love Dave's sultry voice or whatever it is that you want to leave as Who a review. It? Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I love reading those reviews, especially when when I'm just, like, feeling a little down. Uh, reading those reviews definitely cheers us up. So, yeah. again, if you already haven't, go give us five stars on iTunes or wherever it is that you, you're listening to this right now and uh, leave us a fun little review. We might even shout out some of you guys. Um, also, if you any of you guys, because it, it has already happened, if any of you guys purchased um, – anything from us during this holiday sale and for some reason you didn't get your christmas card uh let me know i will i will take care of that as we are so busy like full disclosure it is sunday around 7 p.m right now and we are still over here at the shops shipping things out to you guys we're trying to get it to you guys as quickly as possible before christmas you know no guarantees but you know we we love our yeah. customers here at pro wrestling tea so uh we're working as hard as we can and if it slips through the cracks that someone forgot to put your Christmas card in there. Um, we'll make it right. We'll make it right. Yeah. So let me know. Um, and yeah, Dave, uh, looking at the clock right now, it, it appears that it's that unfortunate time of the week where I've run out of things to say. And I too have run out of things to say. All right, guys. Well, for the PWT cast, I've been Scrump. And this is Stank. And this is friend of the show, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega here. Friend of the show. We've run out of things to say here at the PWT cast. And so, I must bid you adieu. Goodbye and good night. Bang, bang.